the Lord with you guys. It's a privilege to be able to worship with you on a, a Wednesday night. It is wonderful to be here. I know you could be doing anything else. You could actually be uh, sleeping. It gets dark so early and it's cold and it's a perfect place to be in bed. Uh, but instead, you're here in the house of the Lord and I appreciate that so much. We're in the book of of Daniel last week. We ended with Daniel chapter uh, 2 verse 44 right before we uh, went to communion and and the privilege is you know the word of God it's the providence of how God always works things out uh, we're going to start in 44 for those of you that weren't here last week or if you would like to watch last week's uh, lesson you can always uh, look back to the previous uh, recordings in Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 it says during the reign of those kings uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand forever. And the lesson was last week, we're a part of that kingdom. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, you are a part of that uh, kingdom. And it's a privilege uh, to be a part of it. I love that phrase that we just uh, sang about. He, he reveals his glory to the humble. Uh, can you imagine that? And, and these men that we're going to be looking at uh, tonight, Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Misael, they, they, they were taken forcefully from their homeland. Uh, they, they were chosen out of all the other Jews, they, they, they were chosen over Ezekiel, they were chosen over Jeremiah, they were chosen over all the other Jews to be selected to go to uh, this university system that, where they were supposed to forget about their heritage, their culture, and be indoctrinated with not only the Babylonian language, but the Babylonian history and culture and literature and everything else. And instead, what do they stand for? In a foreign country, 900 miles away from their own homeland, they stand for the Lord. And they transform a, a culture, not just once, as we're going to see tonight, but, but multiple uh, times. So we'll pray and we'll get into this. I thank you so much, Lord, for being here. Uh, to be able to have the privilege of meeting with um, people that love you with all their heart. Uh, people that desire to grow closer to you, to know you uh, more intimately. And Lord, help us to have the same boldness as these four men that we're going to be reading about tonight. The boldness of, of men who stood up in a culture where uh, literally everyone was against them. And the desire in our own hearts that we would um, be humble not only you looking for those that are humble in the world, seeking throughout the whole entire world for those that are humble, but also the privilege of being in a humble, uh, humble and a proud world. A world where pride is something we boast about. Our, ourselves is what we boast about. And instead, Lord, help us to be humble in you, knowing that it's you that gives us the strength, you that gives us the abilities. It's you that gives us the very breath that we breathe every second of the day. And so, Lord, help us to acknowledge who you are tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege of being here. We ask that you glorify your name tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Uh, when we first started this, the intro to Daniel, we read uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And, and Daniel always would write down his prayers and his dreams. And so if you haven't been here previously, if you haven't received a, a notebook yet, I'm going to have Caleb. Caleb, can you? Two, two rows behind you, there's a pile of notebooks. Thank you, Dick, Caleb. And it, so if you got one previous weeks and you didn't bring it, don't raise your hand, okay, please? Okay, that means you just forgot it, okay? But, but if, if you have not received a notebook yet, please raise your hand and Caleb's going to give you uh, one. And if you need more, we can um, get more in the, uh, the car. Thank you. One right here for Donald and for Daniel, yeah. Right, right up here in the red, in the red, yeah. Thank you. So we ended last week with the ending of this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Remember 
uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that he asked all of his wise men, all of his counselors, I'll get you guys some, I'll get you guys some, uh, all of his counselors, I want you not only to tell me the interpretation of the dream, uh, but what the dream was in the first place as well. Uh, can, can you imagine that your boss comes to you and, and asks for something that literally is impossible to do? And what was the consequence if the wise man did not answer him correctly? Yeah, they were all going to die. In fact, the captain of the king's guard is going to the place where Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Misael live and says, I have to kill you now. Because you're part of a group of people that were supposed to interpret the dream of the king and also tell him what the dream uh, was. And of course, we saw last week that the dream was this big, huge, massive statue. At the top of that statue was a head of gold, chest of silver, uh, a, a middle section of, of bronze, and then upper legs of iron, and then feet of iron mixed with uh, clay. And who was that head of gold? We learned about this last week. Who was the head of gold? Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine that? What that would do to the ego of the most powerful man on the planet at that time. You are the head of gold, but this little rock is going to come down and destroy this massive, mighty statue. And what is that little rock made of? You and me, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as it says there in verse 44, during the reign of those kings, the very last of those kingdoms, the Roman kingdom, a Christian nation will arise led by Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered? Are you part of a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered? Amen. Thank you, God. The, the privilege of knowing that all the things that could be happening around us that bring us down, we are part of a kingdom that will never fail. A part of the kingdom of heaven. What does it say in the last part of that verse? It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand for how long? Forever. This is the same kingdom, by the way, that uh, Jesus told to Peter. And by the way, the illustration is exactly the same. Remember upon this what? Wow, going all the way back to Daniel, Peter's name meaning little uh, rock, upon this rock, your faith, Peter, I will build my kingdom or, or the church of God. In fact, that's exactly what it says there in verse 45. This is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands. Who is the one that builds the kingdom of God? God, of course. He's the one that builds the kingdom. That crushed to pieces the statue of iron and bronze and clay and silver and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. Is prophecy for sure. Just as we've been going through the major prophets, starting all the way back in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, are all the prophecies of God going to be fulfilled? Thank God we've gotten to see many of them fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We saw a lot of those fulfilled through the book of Isaiah. Uh, but now to know that there's a kingdom that will not fail, that will last forever, and we get the privilege of being a part of it. Verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel, worshipped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices, burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, truly your God is the greatest of gods. Wow. 
Isn't that an amazing thing to say by the most powerful person on the planet at this time? Uh, To know that uh, Daniel was able to not only see behind the eyelids of Nebuchadnezzar while he was sleeping, but also to interpret this dream as well. In fact, I have just a short illustration here. You guys can kind of uh, uh, see from, and, and remember last week we kind of, we actually went through each and every single one of the medals and, you know, talked about this. But, but the understanding is, you know, the value of the medal gets less and less as you go down. Gold, of course, is the most valuable, and then silver, and then, and then bronze, and then iron, and then the, the clay mixed with the iron. But the hardness also gets stronger as you go down as well. In, in fact, which of those is the softest of the metals? Yeah, the most malleable, right? It's the one that's actually easily, you know, moldable and, and easily to be uh, bent. And so the, the strength of the empires gets even more. And in fact, the Babylonian Empire, which is what the head of gold represented, we saw that last week, King Nebuchadnezzar himself. And then after that, we're going to have the, the Medes and the Persians and the Greek Empire and then the Roman Empire. When does Jesus Christ, the Messiah, come on the scene? When does he come on the scene? When is the Messiah born? Yeah. Where the rock hits, right? I mean, this is amazing how Daniel, and and not only in this dream as well, in this prediction, but also later on in the book of Daniel, when we get to chapter 7 and 8 and 9, we're going to see exact dates where, where, where Daniel predicts when the Messiah will be born, when the kingdom of God is coming to uh, this earth. And of course, that little rock that hits the feet during the Roman Empire. Did, does the Christian nation, does the kingdom of heaven last longer than the Roman Empire? By the way, the Roman Empire lasted over 400 years, right? You know, it was a, a massive uh, kingdom. In verse 48, it continues on there. Daniel, of course, is going to be promoted as well as Hananiah, Azariah, and Misael. And then the king appointed Daniel to a high position, gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. This humble person who not only um, negotiated his way through the university system, having to negotiate the laws, and and not only himself having to stand up for what was right, you remember him as being a a young man having to say, I I can't eat that food. I I, I can't eat that kind of food. And and what was the, the horrificness of that situation where He himself could actually be killed. His teacher could have been killed as well if he did not show any sort of growth, right? And so for seven days, what did they eat? You guys remember? Yeah, just uh, vegetables and uh, water, right? You know, (laughs) rather than the food from the king's table. And then, of course, what did they look like compared to all the rest of those, you know? Yeah, a lot healthier, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dino. By the way, Dino gave his testimony on Monday night, and if you weren't here, I mean, it was it was amazing. The, in the men's group, it was a, a privilege to be able to to hear his testimony. Uh, but but you understand the providence of God, the the protection of God over this group of men. Daniel is raised to this high position of literally in charge of all the wise men. Every single one of them. He's now in charge of uh, them. This young man has been raised. This Jewish man has been uh, raised. The one that everybody looked down upon is now in charge of all the other uh, wise men. But not only him as well. Verse 49 at Daniel's request. The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. And this is important now for the next chapter. 
This is the segue now to chapter 3. Remember when we were in uh, chapter 1, we learned about these three friends, these three uh, names. And in one chapter 1, in the beginning of chapter 2, they were given their Hebrew names. But for the rest of the book, now they're going to be uh, named their Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego, and remember, this is you know what we learn about in Sunday school, right? You've all heard this story probably hundreds of times. Maybe you've even taught this story. The the three men in the fiery uh, furnace, and, and, and it's just a rhyme: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where are they in charge of? What area of Babylon are they in charge of? The provinces. The, the outer lying area. And where is Daniel at this time? He's in the court of the king. And so every single time, and I, I hear this over and over and over again. Uh, uh, where is Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going into the fire? It, it's the same question you can ask. And very few people ask the opposite question when you get to Daniel in the lion's den. Where was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, den, in the lion's den? You see, they were in different areas throughout this massive empire. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the province. They're in the outer areas where this big, huge statue is going to be built. And Daniel, of course, he's in the king's court. We're going to see him in chapter 4 and 5 and 6 and throughout the rest of the book. But this chapter here is dedicated, chapter 3 is dedicated to these three men that were friends. By the way, and I mentioned this before, these are the only three names in the whole Bible that are always mentioned together. You will never see them mentioned separately. You will never see Shadrach by himself. You will never see Abednego by himself. You will never see uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shad Meshach, Meshach, the middle one. Me You'll never see Meshach by himself. Hananiah, Azariah, and Misael, their Hebrew names. What, what does it mean to have friends that can be with you in the hardest of times? In chapter 2, we remember who does, was it that Daniel turned to when that captain of the guard was going to kill him and his friends. Who did he turn to? Yeah. He had turned to the other three. And the question last week was, do you have three friends that you can pray with? Do you have three friends that you can go to for prayer? And is that a hard thing to find in our culture today? Unfortunately, many times it is. Thank God we get to go to a church where there's lots of people that love to pray for not only... Uh, others, but also for you as well. So now the segue is Daniel's in the king's court, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the provinces. In fact, this is where we find them now in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of what? Exactly where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were wise men too, or, or rulers too, or counselors uh, too. Now, of course, you remember from the previous dream, uh, what was the head made of? You guys know that. What does Nebuchadnezzar now do? He makes the whole statue out of what? Gold. Can you imagine this 90-foot statue made out of gold. Wow. Now, of course, we're going to see later on that it's not solid gold. That would be really, really a lot of gold. But even just gold-plated is a massive amount of gold. Not only 90 feet tall, but 9 feet wide as well. And, of course, where does he put it? On a plane, why does he put it on a plane? A plane is a flat surface. Why would he put it on a plane? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> why, why does he put it on a flat, big, huge, flat area? Everyone can see it. This massive nine-story statue made out of gold, so when the sun hits it, what does it look like? 
where that reflection, that glint, it, it is attractive. Everyone can see it. Not only that, verse 2, then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. This word provincial officials is very, very important. Who are the ones that coming out to see this statue? It's the provinces. It's the outlying areas. It's the ones that live in this vast, massive empire of Babylon. And they're all being drawn to see what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed of, by the way. And of course, you know, the ending of, of chapter uh, 2, you know, Nebuchadnezzar gives lip service to the God of Daniel. He calls him, in fact, uh, the God of gods and the Lord of lords. But what does he do in the very next chapter? Yeah, who is this statue to? Yeah, of course. I'm not just a head of gold, I'm a statue of gold, right? And I want everybody in this massive empire to be able to see this gold statue. So he calls, and by the way, look at all these titles. I don't know where you work or, you know, if you've ever been in a government position, but are titles rampant? Uh, I mean, you know, titles have to be given out. You know, a lot of times they don't really mean anything. Uh, but, but titles are given out to show some sort of, you know, uh, appreciation or, or some sort of position, right? Look at the names of these uh, titles. And, and by the way, this is the uh, New Living Translation and, and various other translations, New King James Version and, and NASB and LSB and others. They have different maybe names, uh, kind of deviations of these names. But high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all these provincial uh, titles. And what's the draw for all these people? A big 90 foot by 9 foot gold statue. Not, not just something that's painted gold, but real gold. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipes and the other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Who owns this statue? It's written there in big, bold letters. Whose is it? Ah, King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. I don't know if you have something that you put up on a shelf, but can you imagine a 90-foot statue on your shelf? What, what, what is this 90-foot gold statue supposed to represent? King Nebuchadnezzar and all of his pride and all of his self-grandization. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, you probably, I mean, you know, maybe even from a Sunday school lesson or maybe from a, a study. And, and, you know, a lot of times it shows a furnace maybe in the 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 back of this gold statue you know we're going to see actually the numbers here in just a little bit of how hot this is but but gold uh literally melts at a very very low temperature compared to a lot of other metals gold melts at a thousand degrees fahrenheit and this, you know, furnace that we're going to be seeing is going to be up in, you know, around 3,000, 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit. If this was even close to this gold statue, what would happen to the gold? Yeah, 
So this is actually a, a separate area, probably, you know, behind the statue, away from it. And the statue is the center point. And if you do not bow down, when you hear this massive band play all these amazing instruments, you will be thrown into a blazing uh, furnace. This isn't just some sort of campfire. This isn't just some sort of bonfire. This is something that actually can melt metal, a smelter or a kiln or something that was meant for very, very, very high temperatures. By the way, how high can your oven go? Yeah, about 500, right? Unless, I mean, you know, unless you don't have a really good oven, maybe 400. Uh, or one of those, you know, toaster ovens, right? You know. Uh, but, but can you imagine this furnace literally be heated up to melt the, the, mo the most uh, strongest of metals? Where, where titanium or tungsten would be able to melt. Where, where iron would be able to melt. Where, where people will die if they even get close to uh, this furnace. In fact, I have a, uh, a picture, and, and you know, this is uh, just an approximation, uh, but you have to have air being blown into this blazing furnace. In fact, uh, another word for this furnace would be called a, a blast furnace. You have to have huge bellows blowing in uh, air. You have a, a top part where, you know, the, the, the people are going to be put, or normally the metals would be uh, put. You would have uh, uh, some sort of a, a looking area where you can see into uh, the actual furnace itself. There's a, a, a ramp or some sort of a, a walkway on the top, and also a way to get out the materials from the bottom after they are melted. And of course, you know, in this picture, and it just depends upon where this was, some sort of mechanism to be able to manage these bellows. This, this isn't just some sort of, you know, handheld thing. This is a massive uh, structure that is meant for heat and melting uh, things. It is described here as a blazing furnace. Verse 7, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Can you imagine this? Not only you, but, but other people from not only your nationality, but from other people's nationality as well. And, and, and imagine what this kingdom is made up of. This is Babylon that is made up of many, many, many different cultures. And what are they doing in the outer provinces? They're, they're the people that were put out in the outer provinces in order to bring wealth to Babylon itself. And now what are you called to do as you look at this 90-foot statue when you hear the music and hear the herald cry out, what is the call for every person in that plane? Bow down. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people bowed down. Whatever their race or nation or language, they bowed to the ground. They worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Who are they tattletelling on? The, those people that only worship one God. Yeah, those people that um, are aloof, they're still standing where everybody else is bowing. And by the way, if you're on a plane and all that's standing is this huge statue, would you stick out if you're standing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look how these astrologers butter up the king, by the way. We're, we're going to see this multiple times throughout the book of Daniel, by the way. I mean, this, this isn't just a one-time thing. They said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Long, we, we've been following the king. We've been obeying the king. We've been bowing down. 
You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down, worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. By the way, this, this long phrase of these musical instruments is going to be repeated multiple times in this chapter. You're going to get tired of hearing of all these instruments. It says the de decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, by the way, they call them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of uh, Babylon, uh, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. Pastor Mike Ostheimer he gave a, an amazing sermon on, on Sunday about submission to the government, right? When does that submission end? Yes, we're supposed to submit to the government. The book of Romans talks about submission to the government. The first Peter talks about submission to the government. But when does that submission end? When it goes against the laws of God, right? And does this go against the laws of God? Where they're being called to bow down to a gold statue to Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine this? Put yourself in their position. They pay no attention to your majesty. They're being ratted out by these astrologers. What is it like to stand up for what is right? I know many of your stories and I've heard them from you. Where a loss of a position. Or maybe even a friendship. Or maybe even where you have to stand up in your family or even in your marriage for what is right. Is it always an easy decision to do? No. Now put yourself in the position of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only where they would lose their position, but they would lose their life as well. And not just in a quick way either. What, what's the punishment for not bowing down? Being roasted alive. Being thrown into a, a fire. I don't know if you've ever thought about how you would like to die, but is burning one of those things? If you've ever even been, you know, slightly burned, you know how horrible that is. And then to be thrown into a fiery furnace where you're going to be burned alive. Just the smell is horrific. Verse 13, the Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. By, by the way, these were the same men that were with Daniel in the previous chapter that had told him the dream. Okay, These were the same ones that were asked by Daniel to be put into these positions in the province. Okay? And Nebuchadnezzar, he flies into this massive rage. His pride overcomes him. And he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up. And remember in the previous chapter, he had said, your God is the God of gods. Your God is the Lord of lords. Nebuchadnezzar forgets, of course. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand up for what is right. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be to rescue you from my power. The, the, the same God that interpreted the dream and revealed the dream to Daniel... That, that, that same God, I mean, you know, the omnipotence of God. We already know the ending of the story. You know what's going to happen. But we all go through trials every single day where we don't know the outcome. And can we easily doubt? Will God get me through this fiery furnace? 
will God get me through this trial? And, and you probably know all the, you know, the applications of this chapter. You've probably heard many, many devotionals on it. But it means nothing if we don't apply it to our own lives. And it's so easy to forget the Sunday school story when you're in the trial. So easy. It's so easy to forget uh, the, the lesson in the actual furnace. It's so easy to do. We're, we're, we're focused on the flames rather than the one who's protecting us. Thank God for the example of these three friends. And again, they are, they're always mentioned together. Thank God for that. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Wow, what confidence is that? It, it's so, and, and by the way, there's multiple examples of this. The prime example of this is, is Moses. I love Moses. He was he called the humblest of men. Moses always, when he, you know, whether it was the leaders of Israel or even his own brother and sister that would come against him, he had always just shut his mouth and let God defend him. It's so easy to try to defend ourselves. But what does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? If, you, if you've never heard this verse before, if you've never heard this, this paragraph before, this set of verses before, underline it in your Bible, highlight it in your Bible. Because they don't know if they're going to be saved yet. It hasn't happened for them yet. What do they say? We do not need to defend ourselves. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. It's a definite, by the way. He will rescue us from your power and your majesty. There's a greater God. But look at verse 18. But even if he doesn't, it's so easy uh, to see the, the, the stories of old, to look back on the story. God saved that person oh, because they were you know, more holy than me. Or God, God listens to that person because he's better than me. He'll listen to the pastors, but he won't listen to me. You know, those kind of things. We go to someone that's more religious or more, you know, holy. But does God listen to you too? Are you a part of the same kingdom? And do you serve the same God as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. And by the way, every single time they address King Nebuchadnezzar, it's always as his title. They, they never degrade the office. They always address him as his title. They, they don't obey him, but they still give him the respect that his offices do. Okay? They still call him your majesty. They call him by his title that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if God doesn't save us, we're still not going to worship your gods. Wow. What faith is that? Can you imagine that? That, that even if God doesn't show up in that particular instance he has a better plan for us and thank god he always has a better plan that you still won't worship the gods of this world you still won't bow down and again shadrach meshach and abednego don't know the end of the story they they, they haven't we haven't come to the end of the story yet it's so easy to look at this as this Sunday school picture where we know the ending. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't know that yet. And in many of your cases, we don't know the ending yet. But is God going to come through? 
And even if he doesn't, will you still serve him? Wow. What faith is that? Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, humility always trumps pride. Humility always trumps pride. Always. That, that, that glory, revealing God's glory to the humble, the glory of God is going to be revealed through these humble men that cause the most powerful man on the planet to go into a rage. Look at what kind of a tantrum he throws. Literally. Look at the tantrum that he throws. He's so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face becomes distorted with rage. This is a two-year-old. This is someone throwing a tantrum where literally their face is turning red because they're not getting their way. I built this amazing statue for everyone to admire and bow down to. Why aren't you? And in order to make sure that everybody does, I just happen to have this fiery furnace. Because I want my way done, right? I love how it's described. You know, his face is distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Just imagine your oven, okay, 500 degrees. And then seven times that, that's 3,500 that, that, that's able to melt even the strongest of metals. Gold melts at a thousand degrees, okay? Uh, the, the strongest of metals, titanium, that melts around 3,000 something degrees. And then tungsten, which is even stronger than that, that melts about 3,500 degrees. Can you imagine this, this, you know, massive fiery blast furnace that's being heated up seven times more than usual, the rage in Nebuchadnezzar's attitude and face is being translated to this fiery furnace. Why is he so angry at these three men that, by the way, were there when he, his dream was being interpreted? Why is he so angry at them? Because they're not doing what he wants them to do. So I'm going to make you do it. Does humility always trump pride? Does the humbleness of relying upon God to defend us rather than my own words or someone else's to stand up for me. Can God do the standing up? Yes, he does. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throw them into the blazing furnace. You all know this story. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. They're in their official garments. And because the king in his rage had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, this massive you know, wave of heat that is rising up from this uh, blast uh, furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Imagine firefighters, okay? And of course, firefighters, they always wear protective clothing. A house fire approximately, you know, depending upon what kind of uh, materials are being burned is about a thousand degrees. And where, where a firefighter, they have to wear this protective garments even to go in. And even then, they're susceptible to, you know, heat stroke or uh, to the, the flames themselves, right? Very dangerous job. Now imagine these strong soldiers. And just by the, the venting of the flames themselves, the, the hot air that's coming up through this, what happens to those soldiers immediately? vaporized, right? Of course, that's what should have happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If, if, if the soldiers died, what should have happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego too? Exactly the same, right? 
They themselves, they're, they're bound up. They're wearing all their garments. You know, of course, back then they didn't have any fire retardant garments. They would have immediately been engulfed in flames too, right? What does it say there? Verse 23. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. By the way, there's this opening that they can see. Shad or Nebuchadnezzar is far enough away. I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. What's the only thing that burns up on their body? ropes wow the ropes remember they're bound with ropes their clothes don't burn you know i, I you you probably smelled hair burning maybe you got too close to a barbecue or too close to a campfire what what happened it happens to me a lot by the way you know especially if you're hairy right what what happens to the hair it singes, right? Even just getting close to a barbecue or close to a campfire or close to a fire, you don't even have to be in the flames. What happens to your hair? It singes, right? And what does it smell like? Yeah, it stinks, right? You know, burning hair actually stinks, right? It, it literally can melt even to your own skin. You, you can see that the layer where, and, and by the way, hair is a natural protection against, you know, heat. You know, it'll, it'll burn first before your skin does, right? It, it protects you. And, and so what is happening with this fire that is heated seven times more than normal that kills the soldiers only burns the ropes that bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're walking around in the fire. And not just them now, there's another guy in there. And what does it say he looks like? What does it say? End of verse 25, it looks like a god. Wow. So three guys go into the fire. How many are in the fire? How many come out? Verse 25 says, Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I saw four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Shadrach came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the... By the way, he remembers chapter 2 again. What, what he had called previously the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and of course Daniel as well. Come out. Come here. How many people come out of the fire? How many people come out of the fire? Where's the fourth man? Where is the fourth man? I had this amazing, I mean, this was in the 90s. I used to work at this um, uh, Bible camp or, or a family camp uh, called Forest Home. <clears throat> I used to work there. I worked there for two summers. Uh, I, I cleaned toilets. That's what I did. Loved it. There was this other guy that worked there. He was an older gentleman, and his job was to fix vacuums. And Every day, our, our group of people, the Akamo group, the accommodations group, the ones that would clean this, this huge camp, and we'd meet together before we would go out and clean cabins and toilets and make beds and all those things. We'd, we'd have a devotional, and I remember this guy whose job was just to clean vacuums and repair vacuums. He gave this amazing devotion on this chapter, and he asked the question, where is the fourth man? This isn't me talking. This isn't me thinking of this or knowing this. This is me remembering back to the 90s when I was in college working at a family camp. He asked the question, where is the fourth man? Do you know what the answer is? He's still in the fire. 
When you go into the fire, where is the fourth man? When you go through the trials, where is the fourth man? Is he still there? When you go through the fiery trials of life, where is the fourth man? In the fire. Does he still go through with, with us? Not, not, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or these, these men of old, or these people of old that, you know, have the, that were men of faith and people of faith and, and, and have these amazing Sunday school stories that we, that we know and even teach about. Just you and me. When you go in the fire, where is the fourth man? Where, where is Jesus Christ? Where is one he who is like a God? Where is he? He's in the fire with you. He's in the trials with you. And by the way, you know, people like to turn up the furnace on us, right? <clears throat> they, they, you know, that's one of the sayings that we say, you know, put your feet to the fire, right? You know, and then some sort of a, a trial, right? Where is the fourth man? He's still in the fire. So when we go into the fire, where is the one that we serve? He's with us. He's still walking in the trials with us. He's still like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire with you. By the way, does the fourth man come through? And even though the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if he doesn't, you know, and the verse that you hopefully highlighted or underlined, even if he doesn't, does God still come through in his providence, in his plan? And when you look back on the fiery trials of your life, did God still come through? Did he still come through? Maybe not the way that we wanted it. But did God still come through? Yes. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of uh, the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair. Wow. On their heads was singed. And their clothes was not scorched. And they didn't even smell like smoke. You've been at a campfire before and you know what happens to your clothes just by sitting close to a campfire or close to a barbecue. What happens even after, you know, uh, several hours, what, what does your clothes still smell like? They, they, they weren't even touched by the fire. They, they weren't even touched by the effects of the fire. God brought them through. God brought them through. Can, can, can God do amazing things in our lives if we put our faith in him? Even so much so that when we go through the trials, does God erase the effects of those trials? The things in life that we should have to even today be paying for, uh, the, 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 the sins of our past that we should even have to be somehow um, you know, suffering through, because of the consequences of our sin, does God in his grace and his mercy give us amazing forgiveness? I know many of your stories. I, I get to hear testimonies. And the privilege of knowing that God has brought you through the hardest of trials. Why? Because of his glory. His grace, his mercy. Verse 28, the Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. By the way, at the end of chapter 2, at the end of chapter 3, at the end of chapter 4, at the end of chapter 6, every single one of the endings of these chapters the person who is the king uh, who gets this amazing picture of who God is like, he always declares the glory of God and then the next chapter they forget. 
he, he says many of these same things in the previous chapter. He's going to say the same things again at the end of chapter 4 after I, he has to eat grass, by the way. The, the grass on the ground, okay? Where, where literally he, he grows his fingernails and becomes like an animal until God lifts up his head. This is the same guy that we're going to see in the next chapter. He's going to forget every single time. Why? We'll answer that next week. Come next week, okay? I love this. Verse 29, therefore I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he'll be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. And what does it do to all the prideful people in the audience? What does it do to all the prideful people that accused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And where is this at? This is in the multitude, by the way, of all these people that have gathered from all the provinces of Babylon. What does Nebuchadnezzar say? The God of gods, the Lord of lords, the one who is almighty, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is greater than my 90-foot gold statue that just stands there and does nothing who is more powerful you know the answer who is more powerful verse 30 we'll end it here tonight then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to an even higher positions in the province Babylon. Normally I ask you to read one chapter a week or one chapter a day. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to do the same thing, okay? But this time, instead of a different chapter, instead of going sequentially through the book of Daniel, I want you to read chapter 4 every single day this week, okay? Don't, don't go to chapter 5, okay? We're not even going to have time to go to chapter 5 next week. Read chapter 4 seven times this week. And I guarantee you're going to find something new every single time you read through it. This chapter, and normally this isn't a Sunday school chapter. This is more graphic, I guess you could say. It's not meant for, for kids. But, but this chapter is so full of the glory of God and who God is. And in using the most powerful man on the planet, not through Daniel, not through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just God and Nebuchadnezzar, and that's it. How, how God brings down the most powerful person on the planet at this time and uses him for his glory. And can God still do the same today? Yes, he can. Thank you for being here. I ask you uh, not only, uh, you know, read these, these chapters, but also just apply these things to your life this week. So, Father, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to learn about. And, and again, you know, it's, it's easy to, you know, um, just go into the Sunday school part or just make this a story or, or, or just, you know, think of, well, that just happened, you know, some, you know, 2,500 years ago. Uh, to those people a long time ago, th those men that had faith or those people that had faith a long time ago. God doesn't work that way today. Lord, pl please forgive us when we think that way. Because you're still in the fire today. You still reveal your glory to the humble. You still use us today for your glory to reach those that are in their pride, worship themselves, worship their own uh, inanimate statues, uh, worship their own accomplishments. And so, Lord, help us to be like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, knowing uh, that, that you are all-powerful, knowing uh, your attributes, that you are omnipotent and omniscient and always there, for us at all times, but even if you don't, even if you don't work in the way that, that we're asking you to work in, we will still worship you anyway. Lord, help our faith to grow deep. 
instead of being just shallow like so many people that claim lip service to you. Help us to have the, the faith and the depth of worship that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Help us to see you in the fire, that you are still there, that you're in the trials, Lord. That you're always there with us. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless these, my friends, my family, those that are gathered here tonight, those that are online. I ask you to use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.